Welcome to Leadership Conversations, a podcast by the Sustainability Board Report. Join us as we engage in conversations with business and civil society leaders, educators and advisors discussing the role of sustainable leadership in today's world. The Sustainability Board Report is an independent, not-for-profit project. We aim to showcase different dimensions of sustainable business leadership and corporate governance. We publish reports to help individual leaders, organizations and investors to understand the changing landscape of environmental, social and governance factors. Welcome to this week's episode of Leadership Conversations. I am Helena Kuyansdottir and I am joined with Frederick Otto, the founder of TSBR. Today we have yet another fantastic guest joining us, Jessica Chiam. She is a recognized sustainability pioneer with over two decades of experience. She is most known as the founder and managing director of EcoBusiness, Asia-specific leading sustainability resource. And she sits on the board of Comfort Delgro, world's largest transportation companies. We thoroughly enjoyed our conversations with her. But Freddie, what are your sort of takeaways or biggest highlights? Yeah, thanks, Elena. Well, for me, it was really special to speak to Jessica because, uh, as you know, I used to live in Singapore for five years. And Eco Business really is the go-to resource for anything sustainability or sustainable business. Now I've been following Jessica's narrative for quite a while. She's got some fantastic opinion pieces on LinkedIn and on other platforms. And I was always keen speaking to her. So it was great to finally catch up and just really learn a little bit about her background and how she got to found EcoBusiness. She actually comes from journalism, but also has been working in sustainability for so long. So she is really, I would even say, probably one of, you know, a handful of people who started uh, really engaging around sustainable business in Asia meaningfully. And she's certainly now the go-to person uh, for boards and leadership teams um, of Asia-Pacific's corporations to consult with her. And she is also on the board of the Singapore Institute of Directors, which some of our listeners might know is one of the most renowned directors institutes in the world. And of course, she's on the board of Comfort Delgro. I think she has a nice light on sort of the evolution of corporate sustainability and that's the corporate sustainability and ESG are not necessarily the same thing anymore uh, or the way that people speak of it. I also just have to add to this, as you say, with her experience, she gives quite good practical examples of implementation or challenges that boards do face when implementing these G strategies such as decarbonization But before we go into today's episode, I just encourage our listeners to listen to the end. I think she gives a really inspiring piece for us to take away. So just make sure you listen out for that. But I think it's time that we just head over and please enjoy today's episode. Jessica Chea is the founder and managing director of EcoBusiness, Asia Pacific's leading independent media and business intelligence organization dedicated to sustainable development. She is recognized as a sustainability pioneer with two decades of experience in media, sustainable development and ESG issues globally. She is a regular columnist for national newspapers and is on the board of directors for Singapore-listed Comfort Delgro, one of the world's largest land transport companies, as an independent non-executive director. She chairs the group's board sustainability committee and is a member of the audit and risk and digitalization committees. Jessica is also a member of the renowned Singapore Institute of Directors and serves as its ESG committee member. She's also a member of the Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia. 
Jessica specializes in advising the boards of a wide range of government and multinational organizations on ESG strategy. She was a Singapore Press Holding Scholar and has been recognized in many regional and international journalism and sustainability awards. Jessica, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I have just read out your bio, but that, of course, never does the person justice. So would you mind telling us a little bit more about your sustainability and leadership journey, perhaps how these two things came together and the work that you currently focus on? Thanks very much, Frederick. Just a quick introduction. I'm the founder and managing director of EcoBusiness. EcoBusiness is Asia Pacific's leading media and business intelligence organization that's dedicated to sustainable development. I was always a journalist and I started off with the Singapore National Newspaper before starting EcoBusiness in 2009 out of frustration that the mainstream media in Asia just wasn't talking about climate change, sustainability and ESG issues. So in the early years, as you can imagine, sustainability was not even a word in Asia. And that's obviously changed dramatically. And our platform has evolved as well. We not only do the news, but we also have an ESG consulting business as well as a thought leadership platform. And myself, the other hat that I wear, I sit on the board of Comfort Delgro, is one of the world's largest uh, transport companies listed on the Singapore Stock Exchange. I chair the board sustainability committee, and I'm also a member of the audit and risk committee, as well as the digitalization committee. My specialty really is advising boards and senior management on how to integrate an effective ESG strategy into their business and to be looking at it not really more in a compliance point of view, which is what most people view it these days, but really to look at it as a competitive advantage. And how do you think about being a business that has positive contribution to solving some of the most pressing environmental and social challenges that we see today? Excellent. And we will talk about sustainability in the boardroom a little later. I do want to stay with eco-business for a moment, though, if you don't mind. Just in the discussion that we had before we went into our conversation, I told you that I've lived in Asia for quite a few years until recently. And I know eco-business as one of the go-to resources for sustainability and business information. As a knowledge outfit ourselves, obviously, we're strong believers that leaders need to have the right resources, the right information. So how did you get to create eco-business and what's the impact on the business community in Asia and perhaps what are you trying to achieve? Thank you so much, Frederick. I hope you continue reading us. You know, actually, it's a very interesting story. And I, I was actually inspired by Ekin Steiner, whom you might know as uh, the UNDP administrator today, but he was actually uh, working at UNEP. And I had interviewed him as a young journalist. And one thing he said to me during that interview that really resonated with me was that environmentalists need to be speaking the language of economists and economists need to be speaking the language of environmentalists so that we can really solve you know, the pressing issues that we've seen today. I think if you look at the world today, it's really hard not to be depressed about the state of how our ecosystems are degrading and also the inequality that we're seeing and, you know, the geopolitical tensions, the war, and I could go on. But I think that what we need to realize is that if we do not engage policymakers in business, we're never going to change anything. And so reflecting upon you know, what he said about finding a common language, I decided that eco-business would be a great platform for this kind of discussion for Asia. And because Asia was so underreported in global media at that time, and, you know, sustainability issues even further underreported. That's why, you know, I decided to start this platform. And we decided to 
put a focus squarely on the business relationship with our ecosystems, which is why we're called eco-business. And it's actually the intersection of ecology and business. How do businesses interact with all the ecological systems, human and otherwise, to actually create an economy, provide products and services, but at the same time be making a positive contribution to the environment and society. I think we are living in a world today now where we've entered a new era of corporate governance, a new era of the definition of business, which in the past used to be very much defined by Milton Friedman's definition that the purpose of business was to maximize uh, profits for shareholders. And I think today, I mean, we've talked a lot about stakeholder capitalism. It's something that the WEF promotes, uh, you know, tremendously as well. But it's no longer sufficient to say that you exist to maximize profits. And you have to be today a business that looks after its stakeholders, to look after your customers, your supply chain, your employees. And I think that this new definition of business is providing us in a good position to actually solve some of the issues that we see today. Great. Thanks so much for sharing this. And my next question actually would have been sort of what are the trends that you are seeing? But I'm almost reluctant now using the word trend because as you just described, we really have a narrative change of doing business, right? We're really moving on from an old social contract to somewhat of a new one. You've been moving within the sustainability space for a long time. What are the changes that you have been seeing that business leaders have or have not been embracing over the last years and potentially what has surprised you? You know, that's a very good question, Frederick. And, you know, I want to take a step back and look at the evolution of corporate sustainability. I think when the UNGC was founded with this report that Kofi Annan launched in the UN called Who Cares Wins, that really was the birth of the corporate sustainability movement. And for a decade or so, corporate sustainability was seen more through the lens of CSR and charity. And that really was kind of like the early beginnings as well in Asia when you asked what are corporates doing for society and they would roll out the charity you know, that they were funding and the CSR activities they were doing. That's a very, very limited view of what ESG and sustainability really means. And the most encouraging trend I've seen is that in Asia where CSR was equated to ESG, this is no longer the case. And I think when you talk about ESG, really, this is at the core of business, is a risk mitigation strategy, it's a business strategy, and it really is, you know, almost a license to operate, you would call it. And I would say today to many of the directors and senior management that I speak to that if you think ESG, CSR, you are horribly updated and irrelevant. And, and what's encouraging, you asked me about what are some of the trends in Asia that I'm excited about. You know, for the longest time, I think people kind of viewed CSR, ESG, sustainability as interchangeable terms and that they were at the fringes of the corporate agenda and it was left to the comms department or the CSR department. Today, ESG is really core to a company's business. We're talking about the collection of ESG metrics, the intersection of technology, emissions, a company strategy, its uh, social policies and its governance. And I think taken as a whole, it's become something that's so integrated into business DNA. For listed companies, obviously, because they're subject to a lot more regulation and disclosure, the companies had to learn about this a lot quicker in Asia. But what's really interesting is that we're seeing regulation start to expand outside of listed companies. We're starting to see accounting bodies actually trying to put ESG into the enterprise value of organizations. We're starting to see regulators say that we want to mandate companies to disclose the ESG data, even if they were private companies and not listed companies. And like what happened with financial data that eventually became something that needed to be audited. I believe that ESG data sooner or later is going to require audits as well. 
And so the end result really is that this whole landscape is changing. And I often joke with my team is that if we all did a great job, we'd work ourselves out of a job because sustainability would then become so ingrained in an organization's operations, you know, the way that internal audit is, for example, or HR. So I think that these trends are emerging in Asia and around the world as well. I'm really excited about um, how it's progressing. And at EcoBusiness, obviously, because we provide a lot of the thought leadership, we want to shine the light where it matters most so that we can guide policymaking, we can guide business practices and help people and organizations accelerate the time that it takes to understand these issues and to actually apply them. So there's a lot of capacity building that's happening in the region. I just came back from a week in Malaysia and it's such an interesting economy. It's facing an election and there's a lot of companies that just grappling with it just at the beginning of that journey. And so I think that there's a lot to do, but it's exciting because now people are actually talking about it as a serious business issue and putting it at the top of the corporate agenda rather than seeing it at the fringes. I'm so glad you gave the example of moving on from CSR to ESG. So really breaking out of this more siloed philanthropic and somewhat charitable approach and really making it part of the core business. Thanks for making that point. And if we zoom into the organization now and look at the individual leaders' behavior, whether that may be on executive committee, perhaps on department leadership, or even on board level, do you see a behavioral change in leaders or generally how leaders are approaching this topic differently? Yes, I've seen a huge change over the last few years. I mean, just a few years ago, when I spoke to directors and boards about this topic, Many of them would kind of nod and agree, but really they were not convinced because they saw it as, you know, like I mentioned, a fringe issue or not core to their business or that they just simply had too many other priorities before sustainability issue came into the picture. Today, when I actually speak to the boards and I do training and learning and development and, and so on, the questions that directors are asking are actually very astute. They're getting a lot more enlightened and becoming more climate literate or sustainability literate. And they're starting to see the connection between ESG performance and long-term value creation, as well as future proofing of their business. So I think in the past, many of the leadership figures who had championed or advocated for sustainability were more often not, not taken very seriously. And I think today that that's changing. I think you still get a lot of what I call old school business leaders who, you know, come to the table with a very preconceived notion of what the role of business is and the financial metrics that they need to be hitting and the role of business in profit maximization. And I need to say upfront that financial viability must be the first thing that organizations achieve, right? Because if you want to have an impact, you need to be economically viable. But it's the process of getting there that is being called into question now. If you are plundering the earth and exploiting society to get to your profits, that is no longer acceptable. So I think people are starting to realize that. And I started to see in the boardrooms in Asia, business leaders starting to think a little bit more critically about that, anticipating regulatory changes, looking at their business models and seeing how can they change that such that they are a leader and not a laggard, how they can anticipate some of the increased regulations that are coming up, how can they do risk mitigation, how can they win increased market share with their customers, with their employer, employees, with talent. And this has been a very interesting trend. So you get the entire spectrum and obviously some companies are leading and some are not. But I believe that for us as society, as humanity, to get to where we need to be, there needs to be collective action, everyone kind of moving in the right direction. So I think the general direction of travel is in the right direction, but there are a lot of challenges in the 
very short term that we need to navigate. You know, the energy crisis is one, the cost of living crisis is the other. And obviously, all the geopolitical tensions is as if we're step stepping back to World War II. And, you know, that's really hard for businesses to navigate because they're just uncertain about what is the operating environment that they are in. So I think that's why conversations like these are really important to have because we have to keep it at the top of the agenda. Very good. And let me just expand on these sort of operational issues that organizations are facing. You basically just given all of the examples that senior leadership teams have to get their head around, as well as the board, of course. Um, so on that, are you observing a more collaborative approach between the board and the rest of the senior leaders in the organization? And what, what we've seen also in our recent reports on the ESG preparedness and boardrooms, board are slowly getting it, as you just said as well. How is the state of implementing that sustainable corporate strategy with organization? Yeah, you know, that's a good question because implementation and execution is everything. And I think that, you know, the relationship between boards and senior management vary from company to company. In some situations, I've seen that the board wants to run faster and management is just not catching up or begging for time. And then in other cases, I've seen CEOs who are, you know, really convinced of changing their business strategy, but not getting the board approval. So we do see quite a, a wide range of organizations, but in general, like I mentioned, the, the strategic direction of travel is in, in the right direction. And I think many organizations are realizing now that they need to be looking at what's ahead. So if I can draw an example from Comfort Delgo, which is the board that I sit on for um the past year or so, many of our peers and friendly competitors have been announcing net zero targets, for example, and we had been under pressure to do so ourselves. But the position that the board taken was that we don't want to be just announcing some target in 2050, in which none of us were on the board now will be on the board then. But we wanted to make sure that we are actually doing something that's really real and practical and pragmatic in real terms. So the board worked with senior management and worked with some consultants to put up a decarbonization roadmap. And it was very important for us to get external validation. And so we actually signed up to the Science-Based Targets Initiative. And this was validated by them. And we became the first Southeast Asian transport company to do so. We're now obviously preparing a net zero target and we'll be announcing that in, in the coming future. But uh, we recently got ranked you know, on top of the World Benchmarking Alliance and CDP ranking of 90 keystone companies for their low carbon transition and their just transition. And it was a huge surprise to us because we haven't really been talking about our decarbonization pathway and our policies, but we see that as no validation that we're on the right path. But the journey of getting the organization to that stage was a really, you know, I've been on the board for four years now, and it was a process that we started years ago, starting to really think about how do we implement this on the ground. And it really is very unsexy technical stuff like number crunching, how many electric vehicles we can convert and retrofit, what was the KPEX, what was the OPEX that was involved, in which geographies can we go first, and how do we work with regulators to make the right investments. So it's you know a complicated process, but it begins with the board making that decision and providing that vision. It requires engagement with management and engagement through all the levels of the organization. Because frankly, if you don't get buy-in and if you don't talk about the vision enough, then you don't get the support that you really need from the entire organization to implement the strategy. Yeah, well done, Jessica. I think that's a great example of how board leadership is really stepping up to get their head around these issues. And that just made me think, do you perhaps see where Asian companies, and I know that is a big region, are taking the lead in the sustainability approach? 
Yeah, I think that there are some companies that are obvious leaders. I mean, in Singapore, we have our real estate listed companies like Capitaland, City Developments, making real progress and having declared really practical net zero targets and spurring innovation to help the entire industry get there. And then I think in the region, you do see some bright lights in Malaysia, in Thailand, Hong Kong and so on, Philippines, Ayala, a corporation, for example. But I think that many of these corporations at the moment are still confined to the big listed companies that have the resources. And frankly, you know, more than 80% of Asia's economy is supported by SMEs. And that really is kind of like the gap that we're seeing in the region. And on that front, what the listed companies have been doing and has been encouraging to see is actually using their influence to help SME suppliers and their supply chain have a higher code of conduct and to look at ESG practices as something that's integral to their business. So for example, if you wanted to participate in a tender of a big listed company or a multinational today, you need to demonstrate that you have all these policies for your own business and that actually helps uplift the entire business community in Asia. Of course, Asia, like you mentioned, is very diverse. We have people all along that spectrum. Um, but it's definitely on the agenda now. And I think that that's why we've seen a lot of attention, a lot of increased regulation as well as, I guess, um, policymakers looking at this and seeing that they need to play a key role in this as well and spurring corporate action that way. Thanks very much, Jessica. Great points there. I want to move on to two questions that we are asking all of our guests. And if you are a regular listener of our podcast, then you will know that this is, of course, our favorite section. So starting with the first one, what is your favorite story of a particular leader or organization that had a big impact on either yourself or society at large? That's a great question. And I think I'm going to use the example of Patagonia. And you would have seen that they had made headlines because their founder has decided to give the entire company away to a nonprofit, as well as declaring that Earth is our only shareholder. I think, you know, that it's very interesting and obviously not all corporates can do that. If you are listed, you have multiple shareholders. It's not something that you can do. But I think what he's done is actually put that conversation right up high in the global agenda about what really is the purpose of business and then provides a lot of inspiration to a lot of other companies who are now grappling with what is their purpose and what is their mission statement and why are they relevant and what are they set up to do. And I think for Patagonia, one thing I should mention is that they have very clever marketing and they do good business in that they sell a lot of their clothing and their apparel, but they really understand that psychology behind responsible consumerism. So they, for example, published a very successful marketing campaign called Don't Buy This Jacket. And it was basically advocating people to think twice about what they purchase. And as a result, there were so many more people like buying their jackets. I mean, it's, it's genius, right? But in this era where you think about the e-commerce companies that have emerged and how there's rampant consumerism and huge wastage in our society, I think the company you know, provides a very good example of how we can really reflect on what is the role of consumers, of business, and of our regulatory landscape. So I, I love to cite that example because I think it makes for interesting conversations. Yes, and it is a great example. I'm asking myself sometimes, where would the sustainable business community be without Patagonia, who, who was certainly <laughs> a pioneer in that regard? Yeah. Great. And then lastly, Jessica, can you give our listeners one piece of advice that they can make part of their leadership toolkit and start applying today to set them up for more positive societal impact? Um, I think I would say be curious. 
always be a lifelong learner. Uh, read the news, sign up for Eco Business, sign up for the Sustainability Board Report. I think you have to get your head out of the sand. I think many business leaders are often very bogged down by day-to-day operations and they don't have the time to step back and then look at what's happening around the world. If you do and you actually look at what's happening, I think everybody should be really, really kind of alarmed at what's going on. And this narrative about saving the earth and polar bears and all that, I feel sometimes is very misguided because the earth is going to be fine. It might reset itself. There might be an asteroid or greenhouse gases will rise to such a point where we'll see some calamity. But actually, really, it's humanity that we're saving. We are trying to save our systems, our ecological human society, societies and communities from civil war, from resource degradation, resource scarcity, from conflict. And I think that in the end, we want to be able to collectively get to a place where we can live in harmony with all the systems that we have. We're not there yet. And so I think the first step really starts with being curious and finding out what's happening around you. And that's something that we can apply like immediately in our organizations as well. That is a fantastic ending to our podcast today, Jessica. Thanks very much. Couldn't agree more. Very inspirational. It was a huge pleasure talking to you today and connecting with a sustainable leader from Singapore again. Thanks for everything you do and thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Pedro. Really happy to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Conversations. To follow our work and learn more about our reports, please check out our website, boardreport.org, and sign up to our newsletter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Details can be found in the podcast description. 